Hey, welcome in everybody to this edition of True Philadelphian Sportscast, the grittiest take. We are here tonight with a special guest, Steel Flyers. I am, of course, Joe, and my co-host Andrew is here, but we're going to let Steel tell us a little bit about himself. So how you doing tonight, and let's hear a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you guys very much for having me on here. I feel very honored and privileged to be here with both of you guys. Uh, I've listened to you guys, and I look up to what you guys are doing, so uh, great great being here and i feel very honored and privileged uh steel flyers uh you can see me uh on twitter at steel flyers and uh stay tuned for a website coming out soon steelflyers.com so uh, and uh, look for some uh podcasts coming out real soon too so thank you very much guys for having me feel very honored and privileged you're very welcome man you're very welcome it's an honor to have you we love uh you're actually I believe our first guest on, other than Shane, who's with our other podcast, uh, we don't normally have guests on ours, so it's an honor to have you on and have a uh, guest on as well. All right, thank you. Yeah. Um, and then, Andrew, of course, um, I'll turn it over to you, and how you doing this evening? I'm doing very well. Another another good day in Oklahoma. Still hot here, uh, about 100 degrees again. Uh, I just got done, third summer class, uh, so one one left to go, so very positive mood today what about how you doing joe well well thanks for asking yeah we don't always really ask the host <laughs> how they're doing um but yeah i'm uh i'm doing well uh the day's been going well we of course had a great uh, baseball podcast with the chase and the pennant crew that everyone should also check out um before this so that was really fun so yeah today's been very positive for me with sports looking like they're moving in the right direction and on that positive note Oscar Lindblom returned to the Flyers skate zone and Chuck Fletcher had this very great statement to say on him he said he looked really good on the ice his hands are still there it's remarkable to think that with all the treatments that he has had he has been able to go out there and still show the skill and still have the stamina to skate for 35 to 45 minutes, which is which really is remarkable. Like all the treatments he had, he went out there. If you watch that video, he was ripping slap shots. He was ripping wristers, and he looked like he like he, he said himself he had to make up some for some time, but he didn't look like he was missing that much of a beat for going through that painful of treatment that we're so blessed that he's almost at the end of. He was yeah, up on the skates. What'd you say? I said he was up on his skates too, man. You could see him. He was up on his skates, you know. You can tell when a guy's when they're when they're really going at it, they're up on their skates, you know. They're standing a little taller in their skates. And they skate a little they have a bit of, a little bit of a different stride. And he was up in his skates when he was making those slap shots. So that was great to see that man. That's great to see. Yeah, and he said he's only been on the ice, I believe it was a total of four or so times with his treatments. It's not like he's really been on the ice, and to come in and really show, like you said, have his legs under him and everything right away, uh, that really shows how much of, how dedicated he is, and seeing that bright smile um, for anybody that watches baseball, that reminded me of like Francisco Lindor when he plays baseball. Uh, seeing that bright smile just brings such a joy to your face that the fact that he's able to practice with the team and um, almost be on his way back for next season, of course, not this postseason. And then, Andrew, I don't know if you had any comment on Oscar. Yeah, I, just, I mean, like you guys said, it's a tremendous thing to see him doing that. A very special, I had to feel like a very special moment for him to kind of 
get get back there, something probably he wasn't expecting for a very long time. Very unfortunate to see anyone go through that, but but credit to him for battling through it and getting back out there already. I mean, I'm, I was surprised to see him out that fast and being able to, to skate with the team. And like you said, obviously it's not, not going to be for this season, but hopefully it gets him back and, I mean, see if, what, what he can do next year. But uh, con- congratulations to him to get getting this far and getting past everything so far and uh, just hope it continues to go well for him. Completely agree, completely second everything you said. It seems like he's moving on a great track. He's a great skilled player that, of course, already became a fan favorite. We're going to love to have him here for years to come when we eventually lock him up. I mean, if he was on the team right now, if he was coming back to play right now, that would be a game changer. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah, so huh. if, if he was coming back for this year, that would be a game changer. But, yeah, man, it's great to see him on the ice, and we'll see him back next year good and strong. Yeah, he was our best scorer when he got. He was our most consistent guy when he got when he went down. <laughs> How so, you doing? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he he's definitely going to be a guy. If he if he came back this playoffs, every team would be like, ah, oh, sweet Jesus. Um, and then if and I mean, then he if had they heard, what, and then if they heard Patrick or something, Come yeah, on. and then if they heard Patrick was also coming back, then teams would really be like, oh, just just stop. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be a, that would be a game changer too. <laughs> <laughs> Like, we had a team that did so great with the way AV coached, and then you had, if you were to add those two, and obviously Lindblom's not going to be able to come back. Patrick, we are not sure of yet. Um, so that'll be a real game changer if he can come back, too, as well. Nolan, because Nolan's obviously a difference-making player. Like I said, with those two guys back, those would be game changers. E- even if just one of them, if it was Nolan Patrick or if it was just Lindblom, that, that would be a game changer right there. Because that gives us an extra guy down the center, Okay, who can score, who can take face-offs, who can be on the power play, who can do the penalty killing. You know what I mean? So, what? Win-win all the way around. Exactly. And you have another big uh, bruiser, like a guy that can use his body, too, similarly to Hayes. And he's from the right side, where Hayes obviously from the left side. So that Mm -hmm. also matches up very well for you in the playoffs to have the deep centers to match up. And Patrick ain't no slouch on the other end of the ice, either. It's just nope. uh, that might show some effect that might show the most effect from being out for a long period of time but he still will be able to play if he's on the third line defend any third line center right but anyway we'll move on from talking about those two that we hope patrick will be able to play and we wish oscar all the best as he's entering the later stages of his recovery but we're transitioned now into our bracket and we will start with do you guys want to start with the first and 16 or do you want me to jump around a little bit that's the start of the first and 16, because that should be kind of chalk, and then kind of, I guess, jump around a little bit and just save the save the best best matchups you think will be closest for last. Okay, okay. Well, the first and 16 is Johnny LeClaire against Damon Langkow. Obviously, everyone knows how good LeClaire is, so I'll read his stats second. Uh, Damon Langkow who played from the 98 season through the 0001 season with us, had 41 goals, 86 assists for um, 127 points, and he finished 18th in the Selkie uh, in 99 and 2000. So he was a pretty solid player for the Flyers while he was here, but he obviously is nowhere close to John LeClaire, who during his time here scored 333 goals to be in the top 10, 310 to 6, 643 points, and he was just a dominating force. He was the guy that, other than one year, didn't get banged up compared to Lindros. 
on that Legion of Doom line. He was the guy that never had to deal with the injuries as much as Eric did, where um, he's the guy that obviously I think would win this matchup for me, but I, I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I think it's you got to give it to John LeClaire. I mean, just look at it, six, six Oster games to, to zero. Um, I think uh, it goes without saying, not that nothing against uh, uh, Lanco for for the, what he did here, because like you said, he did did have that one really good year where he came came 18th place for for the Selkie. But I mean, you just can't beat the Flyers legend Leclerc in this round. No, you're never going to beat a legend. Go ahead, Steele. The only the only thing I can tell you is this: Johnny Leclerc and his three point stance in front of the net. That's all you have to say. And <laughs> Johnny Leclerc's name is on the cup. And there, end of story. Yeah, no, I agree. When he played, when he played for Montreal, and he came over with the deal with uh, Eric Desjardins, him and uh, Johnny Leclerc came over. Um, I think they were <clears throat> part of a package deal, and him and him and uh, Eric Desjardins came over, and John, they had won the cup. I think it was oh, that one year, what ninety three or two or whatever, when Montreal won it. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So him and Eric Desjardins were part of that Montreal team. And they were part of that big blockbuster trade that brought Johnny Leclerc to Philadelphia and brought Eric Desjardins to Philadelphia. So can't go wrong with Johnny Leclerc, man. (laughs) That's not even an argument. That's not even like, really? You put him up there with Damon Lankow or Lanku or however you want to say his name? He had to be the 16th seed, so that was just a default (laughs) thing. You have the first and 16 is never going to be closed. It was Drew against Matt Reed in the first round of the bracket. Okay. (laughs) Um, But Dejor Dan was in our first round of the bracket and advanced past Gostisbehere. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, oh man. But uh, he was a special guy. Uh, my dad or my um, friend's dad always talked about how great he was. My friend Zach's dad because he really liked him growing up. How special of a player uh, Desjardins is. But we're of course get to that if you whenever you come back, Steel, and we get on that part of the bracket. Not to dwell on him now because our next one is on defenseman. Uh, anyway, because I think this is a good matchup, and then I wanted to do this one second to see what you guys feel, but I think Provy has to win because of year total, but Steele, I want you to talk about just how good Paul Coffey was during all those years, not with the Flyers, with Edmonton as well, but with the Flyers, he yeah. had eight goals, 47 assists, 55 points, while being banged up a lot, so he was still yeah. able to play well while he was in. But Provorov, of course, has 43 goals, 90 assists, and 106 points in only like four seasons so far. So, I mean, he's been ridiculous other than uh, he had a couple down defensive years and then two great ones, Provy, in his plus-minus total. But I think now with AV, he's really going to see him uh, skyrocket. And then, uh, Steele, I'll let you go first this time. I th- honestly, I think Provy has got the the potential to be probably one of the best defensemen that we probably have ever seen, not just in Philadelphia, but maybe in the league. And you, when you can't really, it's almost like you can't compare the two because it's a different game when Paul Coffey was playing. Okay. Compared to the way they're playing now where Paul Coffey's game was okay. I mean, 
The guy played 1,400 games and scored 396 goals, okay? But he was a banger, you know, and he was just that guy that could move the puck up, and he was he was that guy that was always going to be there, always going to be there. You could always depend on Paul Coffey. I am not kidding. This guy was just so awesome, just so defensively sound, always could count on him to move the puck up the ice. I, I agree with you guys. I, I Look, I think Provy's got the best potential, but we only got a four-year window body of work to look at him. And Paul Coffey has got 1,400, almost 1,500 games, I believe. Isn't he in the Hall of Fame, too, Paul Coffey? I think he is, but yeah. also if, yeah, we're, is. if we're just yeah. going by uh, – if you're just going by the Flyers statistics of them, though, since we're ranking all-time great Flyers, you would probably pick Paul yeah. Coffey, right? Uh, well, uh, Coffee I'll tell you good, what, because he, he only up. played for two years and he was really hurt and, and he didn't play consistently while he was there. I mean, he was always there, but he played better, you know, in Edmonton and or uh, Detroit. He played better. He played better in Chicago. He played better in Pittsburgh and Edmonton. So, I mean, it just wasn't the, he just wasn't the same player when we got to him. I agree. And, yeah, that's what I you know, and, and so because uh, he didn't play. He didn't play a consistent season from the time he was with the Philadelphia Flyers until he retired. He didn't play a full season. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> you look at Proveroff, and he's playing, what, 26, 27, 28 minutes a game? He, last year, he played all 82 games, didn't miss a single yeah, game, a seriously? Workhorse. Yeah, Proveroff's a <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, so... I, I'm gonna, as much as I'm gonna, the, as much as I'm gonna not like this, I'm gonna go with Provolov just because of the potential, and because of the, based on what you said, that it's the four years that he's played with Philly, and only the two years that Paul Coffey played uh, in Philly, he he wasn't really the same guy when he played in Philly. So I'll I'll take Provy on that all the way. Gotcha. And then Andrew, I'm assuming you agree with Provolov. Yes, I, I do agree with that. I think it's kind of similar, and I, mean, I think it's kind of similar to the debate when you when you look at. I'm going to tra- transition sports here and go to baseball, but it's kind of like Ryan Howard's probably a better Philly than Pete Rose is, but Pete Rose is the better overall player to date. Like so, like I think it's very similar to yeah. that situation. Like you got a, a Hall of Famer here that is career wise, yes, he's probably better than than Provy, but if you're going since we're going strictly his time t- time and tenure in Philadelphia, I think it's gotta be Provy just because like like you guys mentioned, I mean his ability to play eighty two games in three straight seasons, like that's unbelievable. And then he was on track they I forget what our exact record was when they canceled the season this year, but I think it was sixty nine. So he was on track to play all eighty two for four straight years. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. he did have all the games under his belt this year. I do not remember Provorov being out once. Nope. But uh, moving on to the next one, this is the matchup I'm just interested because it's a 4 versus a 13, but it might be a little bit closer stats-wise than some people think. So I'm interested to see what people think between these two guys. Dan McGillis had 31 goals, 105 assists, and 137 points during his shorter tenure here. And then Braden Coburn had 37 goals, 116 assists, and 161 points, but was obviously one of our anchor defensemen 
for a long stretch from 06 to 07 through the 14-15 season. So he had a longer longevity than Dan McGillis, but obviously their stats, I think, are closer than some people might think off the top of their head. So I'll let uh, Andrew go first with this one. I don't know who you would pick uh, to go top top each other on that one. Honestly, I think you. I'm going to go upset here. I think, and it's part of the reason you said it in your opening statement there is if you look at it, like how close their stats are and what they did for the Flyers, when you break that down, and and uh, Coburn had three more years here than McGillis, and he, McGillis is able to keep it that close. I mean, he's only five goals shy of even or being right there with him. Points are almost right there. So I think McGillis' ability to and what he did in those six seasons. Uh, with the Flyers, I, I think, I mean, especially in, in years where the, where the Flyers kind of struggled here and there, and he was able to still put up those kind of stats. I mean, I, I think you you got to give it to McGillis over Coburn, in, in my opinion, just because again what he was able to do in the short tenure. Yeah, they also were obviously a little bit different types of um, players. Coburn wasn't as I would say offensively. Now I don't know as much because it's more from highlights on McGillis, but as offensively gifted. I think you would probably agree with that, Steele. Yeah, Danny McGillis was way more offensively gifted than uh, Braden Coburn, but uh, I'm going to go with Danny McGillis for the reasons of this. Braden Coburn, to me, was a turnover machine. And he had a lot of turnovers, and his defensive skill set just made me nervous. Okay, so it, you could have put, you know, I actually have that I, written down. It's funny you say that because next to Coburn on the bracket uh, or on my notes, I wrote down erratic. But I put him as a four C because that's a good But I put yeah, but I put him as a four C because of his stats. So I figured his stat. But I put him yeah. as like the most erratic high seed on the bracket by far. Yeah, I mean, and even when he got traded to Tampa Bay, I mean, he still was the turnover machine for Tampa Bay, too. It was like, okay. <laughs> like, you thought, because he, he, he has the size, he has that long stick, he has that good stride, you know, and, yeah. and once he gets up and moving and he gets up on his skates, he, he's actually pr- pretty decent, you yeah, know. He's and, and he's, yeah, you he, know. He's but, just a guy everyone loves is the lumberjack type dude, too. Like, if you saw that Tampa <laughs> video... Um, he's the guy that everyone loves just for his personality, too. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. Danny McGillis had, I, I think he had a better game than Braden Coburn, and he was better uh, defensively. So I'm going with Danny McGillis on that one all the way. Uh, no, that's the one that I, that's why I wanted to do that next, because I found that one very interesting, because uh, I also was going to pick the upset, and it's, and I thought that there was a chance that at least two out of the three of us would pick the upset. I didn't think we would run the table on it, but, you know, stranger. <laughs> hey, it happens. That's the fun of brackets. Yeah, stranger uh, things happen. I'll have you guys know this is my first bracket. So I've never I've never done a March Madness bracket or none of that stuff. So this is my first bracket. So there you go. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, you're doing a really good <laughs> job expo- explaining it. Um, okay. But I was going to say for Andrew, I'll do this one next because I know – uh, he really likes, well, I don't know how much he likes the other guy, but I know he likes one of the guys in this grouping a lot. Matt Carl, the fifth seed versus the 12th seed, Racco Gudis. Uh, Matt Carl, in his time here, 
who was obviously more of an assist guy than goals guy, had 15 goals, 122 assists, and he was also 10th in the Norris in 2011, or 2010-2011, excuse me. And then Racco Gudis had 17 goals to 56 assists. So um, on those guys, I know, Andrew, I'll give this to you first because I know how much you loved uh, Racco when he was uh, here. Um, are you picking an upset on this, or are you still giving it to Matt Coral? Uh, I think, I mean, I like Gudis and stuff, and I, I mean, I like his ability, his aggressiveness, and his ability to to fight as well. And I kind of, I like that part of him. He's not, will, he's willing to step up for what seems like to be pretty much anyone on the team. So I think that is a special aspect of his game. But I, I don't think there's a way you can pick him over Matt Carl. I think Carl was just too good. I mean, all around from all years in the league, really, and and then even his time here with the Flyers. I think, again, they were kind of two different players in a way, but his his ability all around uh, all around the ice from from this d- defensive side to even his offensive side was a little more impressive than Gudis. So I think the really only thing Gudis had maybe over Carl was the aggressiveness. So overall, i got to stick with Matt Carl. I agree with that. Yeah, Matt Carl was a facilitator. He knew how to get the puck up the ice. He could get it on anybody, stick whether it was a saucer pass to a regular pass to banking it off the boards. Uh, similarly to someone else, we obviously will get to on the bracket at some point a team and then he was just so good at figuring out how to fit pucks into passing windows but uh steel uh obviously i feel you'll probably pick matt carl too but uh who are you going with you yeah i have to tell you uh i, I was a big fan uh of radko gudis um he was a shots block leader did i say that right yeah, shot shots blocks leader. Yeah, he he blocked the most shots for what the, all the years he was here in Philly and was like second or third in the league for block shots. So <clears throat> Matt Carl was a much smaller guy. Um, he had a much more um, faster game, much more offensive game. So they were exactly two opposite sides of the defensive stick. Okay, and. I would go with Matt Carl because of the offensive side, but I would also go with Gudis because of his snarl, of his shot-blocking ability, and his capability to take the odd goal or two. You know, you know what I mean? I, I just I agree. Yeah. That's a yeah. tough call for, for me, me right there. Yeah, For me, it's also when I look at it, sometimes I look at it when I have guys close, guys I've really liked. On if I projected the guy onto this team when he was having his stats while he was here, imagine having the power play prowess of a Matt Carl on this team. The passing oh, prowess man. of a Matt oh. Carl on this team. Um, so once I did, it's like having another yeah, Giroux. Yeah, once I did that, <laughs> once I did that, I was like, yeah, the, Matt Carl's career tracks better than Gouda's. They're different, and I like. I liked Racco a lot, but fortunately also we got a very good deal for him, Get bringing in Niski, who's played so oh. great. But um, he's a guy... That was a steal. I'm sorry, but Fletcher stole him away. I don't care what anybody says. I, I know Niskanen's older, but I think that was a steal for us. Yeah, hey, you don't have to pay him yet because you still have him for next year. You know you're going to pay him less if you keep him after that because he's not going to take that high of a cap hit anymore at his eat. But look what he's done for our team. Oh, yeah. You know, I'll take that upside all day long. <laughs> I w- yeah, I would too. I think he's a guy they keep tacking on potentially a couple, ext- maybe just a one year at a time, or they do a two year extension and then see yeah. what happens from there after next year. 
So, so we went with uh, was that was that our upset? We all went with uh, we all went with Maddie Carl over over Braden Coburn. No, or, uh, Carl was over, over Racco, uh, and uh, Carl was the higher seed over Gudis. Yeah, okay, because, all right. Yeah, Carl was a points <clears throat> compiler because of his assists and how great he was at that, and also solid on his own end. So I couldn't see Racco above uh, Maddie. Okay, but um, okay. For the next one, we're go to this one should be rather painless. I think for us, I love this player as well. That's the other guy on this list, but there's no chance I'm picking him before gags. Uh, fourteen Scott Lawton versus three seed Simone Gagne. Scotty has forty four goals, sixty two assists for one hundred and six points in his career. But he also has been playing the best on the defensive end this year under AV with a plus 13 rating, by far the best of his career. And then, of course, Simone Gagne. I just did his first stretch here, not the 27 games he played it later when he came back in 12-13, I believe that was. He had yeah. 259 goals, 265 assists, 524 points in his first stretch here and was obviously one of the best players on the team for a long run there, one of the most entertaining, the guy that I first drew to when I started watching the Flyers, so there's absolutely no chance I'm letting Scott Lawton upset Simone Gagne, so I'm picking Simone Gagne. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so you're a homer then, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I love Scotty, too. Scotty's one of my favorite bottom six guys. He got so dedicated in 2017, he went back down to work on yep. his skating and is now best one of the him. best penalty killers on our team and just knows exactly the role he has to have. And he's scoring this year, too. He's finally coming to his own. He might be a guy that can get you 15 to 20 when it's all said and done when he has his full confidence in here and he has a coach like A.V. Uh, behind him. So. You guys remember Steve Downey? Yes. Yes. Does he even remind you of Steve Downey only with way better – Offensive upside attributes, yeah, I would say yeah. so because he's also not as nutty as Steve Downey. Steve Downey, yeah, I agree, yeah. Stuff sometimes, but doesn't he kind of remind? Like he almost has that same track, you know, where he came up when he was when he was first coming into the league, and then eh, we found out that you needed to learn a little bit, and you had to go back down. And and Downey didn't take too well to that. And Scotty Lawton, that was the best thing for him because he rededicated himself. He found his game, and now look at what he's doing. So I'm going to have to agree with you. Gagney, oh, man, that's what I call him, or Gags. Um, Great, great player. Loved watching him play. First saw him play in 2000 when he came out as a rookie, as an 18-year-old, made the team. He made it to the first nine games, and they were like, you know, uh, that's the rule now where you you can only play 10 games, and then Mm -hmm. either you're sent back down or you count against the the contracts and you count for the team or whatever. So he got to the nine games, and they were like, yeah, you ain't going nowhere, buddy. (laughs) You're staying right here. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Simone Gagne all, all the way on that one. Yeah. Uh, I'll turn it over to you, Andrew, but like I said, he was my most beloved player that first when I first attached to watching the team. Also, have if we'll have to start going on camera for our episodes eventually, like we said, Andrew, because then I'll show my bobblehead I have of him over there. But uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, what's your uh, take on Simone Gagne? Yeah, it's it's got to be Simone Gagne here. I mean, just one number, one stat that sticks out to me in 11 years here with, with the uh, Philadelphia Flyers is plus-minus. His plus minus was 140. 
like a positive 140 plus minus is just incredible uh, i know it says a lot about the team as well but i mean as a player i mean it just shows what he does for the organization what he's able to do to help uh not only elevate his own game but elevate the players around him as well and i think that's one of the big things here nothing against scott but like again great great attitude great way to figure everything out i just think uh, with Simone Gagne here, his ability to elevate his teammates, elevate his team as a whole to make get to that next level. I know, unfortunately, we we're never able to actually uh, hoist that Stanley Cup in Philadelphia, but again, he gave the team a chance every year to kind of kind of get there and make a run. Mm-hmm. And the one run, him and Carter basically played on broken feet. Yeah, yeah. Like, Simone Gagne basically <laughs> played through the whole playoffs, played perfectly fine. <laughs> Not as yeah. good as he normally does, but still played perfectly fine on a freaking broken foot. So Yeah. <laughs> Gotta give it up to that guy, man. I mean Plus he was here for when Giroux first got here too. Which helped immensely. Yeah, I Oh my yeah. gosh, man. I look, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Yager was the ultimate flyer killer, but he was the best thing for Giroux. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Oh my gosh! Did he light up with Giroux? Oh my gosh! The the way those two guys just skated together, him and Danny Briere. Woo! Oh boy, that was that was scary. Uh, yeah, I was one of those people that was touting to give him another one year deal, Yager, because of how well he played with Giroux, and then we kind of just let him mm-hmm. go and moved on. But uh, obviously, it's worked out over time. But uh, Yager did have a good year after that, so he could have really helped us uh, still. But that's ancient history now at this point. So um, <laughs> the we'll move on now to because this is obviously not a defenseman versus a defenseman because I wanted to switch it up and confuse people a little bit. So our seven seed is Chris Pronger versus our ten seed Donald Brashear, who could beat the living crap out of anybody whenever he felt like it, but also had some <laughs> offensive ability with the 18 goals and 29 assists and 47 points during his uh, career from 0203 to 0506 season while here. And then Pronger, of course, got the big deal that he had the freak injury that nobody could have predicted. It was not a good contract, don't get me wrong, to pay a guy for, I think, I believe it was seven years at that age. But yep. Um, yep. he did get a freak injury, so his stats are obviously heavily skewed downward. But in the time he played, he still had 15 goals to 77 assists and 92 points, and that was only from 09-10 through the 11-12 and 12 season. So he was still pretty ridiculous during the time frame he played. Also captain. Yeah, also the captain, yeah. But um, I'll let uh, Steele go with this one first. Uh, what do you think of those two guys? Oh, based off of the time that they're here in Philadelphia, I have to go with Pronger all the way. Just because he, look, don't get me wrong, man, because I love Donald Brashear. And I loved his game. And he played during a time when we needed that guy out there to, to be standing there. Like, if you look up and down the history of the Flyers rosters, you'll see a guy just like that. It started with Schultz, okay? Then we got some of the other guys like McLeish and Prop. Then, then you started getting those, those guys in the 80s. Then you started getting guys in the 90s like Brashear. And and then you got the Wayne train. I mean, yeah, seriously, that dude can throw down. Donald Brashear, and he had some great offensive upside. So, But Pronger, I'll tell you what. 
I was watching that game when he got hit with that uh, with the puck. And now I have never in my life heard a human being yell that loud at a hockey arena that you could hear. And that whole arena went silent when he got hit. And I've never heard that before in my life. And that really changed a lot of things <laughs> about hockey that day. The okay? visor, yeah. So I have to go with Pronger on this, man. Just just for heart, just for standing in there, and just for trying to come back after getting hit like that. Yeah. No, yeah, his injury really did change the game because that's when they, they the one they really looked to to start implementing having to have to wear the visor compared to having it be optional. The uh, Where Pronger, of course, just had the helmet on and didn't have the shield, that's uh, one of the main injuries they looked to, similarly to how baseball got rid of trucking the catcher because they mainly looked to Buster Posey, who was a star of the game that had something happen to him. But, oh, did he, did he get hit too? Something similar like that, or whatever. Uh, he got trucked and he got destroyed, and he was out for a while oh. because it was a star player. The league actually took action on the rule compared oh, to wow. guys like Jesus Flores and others that have got injured in the past too. But um, I was going to say, Andrew, I'm 95 percent sure, even though Donald Brashear was a legend. Um, from, we love watching highlights of him beating the crap out of people and scoring, but Pronger's. A guy that's that's just a, a all time legend, not just a Flyers legend. So I think you're going to go with him too, correct? Yeah, you got to go Pronger here, just because again, I mean, his ability not only on, on the defensive end, but to transition that in, into his offensive game as well. I think was just a tremendous and a true two way player that you don't see too often. Great point. Great point. Yep, I agree. And then. Steele brought up a good point about Wayne Train when he was talking about players like Donald Brashear. Wayne Simmons is, of course, we need some size and toughness in our bottom six still. Anybody not opposed? Anybody opposed to bringing him back for one year on a on a good salary deal, or would people not be okay with that in this podcast? I like I like Simmons, but I just feel like he's too much. His game in general is just too much like JVR. So I, I don't think you can kind of keep both them. I just feel like they they both accelerate on the power play. So I feel like they kind of clog each other's game, and I feel like that's kind of one of the reasons why they got rid of Simmons is because they were looking to bring bring JVR in. I just I just feel like again they they're they're, they're two style of games that be on around the same line and everything. So I feel like. If you can find a way to make it work and one of the guys is willing to play on one of the lines, one of the more lower-level lines, then maybe maybe if they're agreeing to that, sure, I'll, I'll welcome his talent back. But I just feel like you already got that kind of guy. So maybe if, depending on where else we could spend money, go that direction somewhere else. You also have a better coaching staff to make it work, obviously, than Dave Haxtell's. Uh... Well, that's not that hard to do. Yeah, no, 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 that's not that hard to do. But I'm just... I, No, but you know what, though? I wouldn't – I have to agree. I wouldn't – want to bring him back in because jvr is what two years younger um yeah. he's also uh five or what is he 5.6 or something on on the cap for the next two three years and, uh, and no, i like JVR's offensive upside better yeah you know and i would much rather spend money on somebody like braun or um niskanen or <laughs> i'd much rather spend the money on that than bringing in wayne simmons no, I, I actually agree with you guys. I was just trying to get the realm of what people felt about it because he is a free agent, and uh, I was just wondering if you all thought that 
that would be a decent uh, idea to bring them in. But JVR, JVR is a $7 million cap hit each year. Seven. Okay. I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember. So, um, yeah. So, and, and Wayne Simmons is not going to want, you know, piddly money. No, that's a good point. I would just, I would just trying to get the feeling in the waters on uh, what people felt on a, a former guy coming back. But, uh, now we're go to our easy one and leave one. That's at least a little bit closer for last. Uh, we got Justin Williams, one of the guys that the Flyers got rid of way too quickly, just like Patrick Sharp and a couple others that I can go down for the next 10 years, but we don't have the time to do that. So, um, <laughs> And you're preaching to the choir here, buddy, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have 37 goals out of Justin, 52 assists, and 89 points in only a span of 00 to 01 through 02 to 03 season. But, of course, Rod Brindamore was one of the – during that time, the foundation pieces of this franchise with 363 assists, 230 goals, and I wrote this really sloppy for him, but I think I wrote 593 points. Um, so he was just ridiculous for the Flyers. Now is a ridiculous coach getting the best out of his guys, too. I'll throw him a bone in there on that, too, because I just love uh, Brindamore. And um, he's a guy that I would definitely have to take here, being one of the foundation, one of the leaders of the teams. Well, he was here during that stretch in the 90s, and he wasn't obviously the best on the defensive end, but he was a guy that was always going to put the puck in the net for you, get the puck to his uh, line mates. And like Andrew said about a couple people, and he said about Gags especially, he made everyone around him better. So I definitely have to go with Rob Brindamore here. And uh, Andrew, I haven't let you start for a while, so I'll let you start with this one. Yeah, I'd say nothing against Williams in his career because obviously he ended up being a very good player. I just feel like he got off in his career-wise. He got off to too slow of a start here. And like you said, the Flyers got rid of him too fast. I think that kind of shows the start to the career he kind of had here was was not good enough to maintain a roster spot. So I think that's one of the things that goes without saying on why I'm going to take uh, Brendan Moore as well, just because, uh, again, his, his ability here with Philadelphia Philadelphia to, to elevate the game, uh, I know it wasn't with the with the Flyers, but eventually hoist the cup. Uh, so just a, another tremendous thing for him and an accolade in his career. So uh, I, I think you got to go with Rod here just because, again, the uh, the situation he was able to elevate the team, and when he got here, he was able to, to get off to a, a faster start as a whole. No, that, that that's a perfect point. Uh, that makes. I mean, I don't think I don't think Steel, you're going to pick against Rod Brindamore here, are you? <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm probably not going to go against that one. Look, I, I Justin Williams was another one of those kids that came up, and he started his rookie year. Um, yeah, I think he was uh, one or two years after Simone Gagne and came in and played a couple years, and then he just couldn't stick around. And he was one of those perfect examples of the Flyers picking up a really great kid, um, good talent, but not having enough patience and sticking with the kid. And then the kid goes somewhere else and then gets his name on the cup. So then you look at Rod Brindamore and the – what is it, uh, seven of his nine years that he was in Philadelphia, he played all 82 games. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> I also misspoke on Brendan Moore. I have to point out I misspoke on Brendan Moore, too. I read my note for uh, freaking what's-his-name. I read my note uh, based off of um, 
Provy having bad defensive years in two of his years where uh, Brendan Moore obviously was a good defensive player. He won the Selkie twice, and I read the wrong yeah. piece off of him. He was not a bad def- defensive player. I just, read, <laughs> I just read a note for the wrong person. That into That's okay. It happens. It happens. That's right. That's yeah. right. It happens. Yeah, no, you can't go against Rob Brendan Moore on this. Um, the hardest-working guy on the team, and he's the hardest-working coach because he's in the weight room, and he's working there before anybody else shows up. So, <laughs> Yeah, I like him as a coach. I always thought he would be a coach after he played. He just seems like he's one of those guys. He's very driven. He's very, you know, I mean, you can't you can't not love Rod Brindamore. Yeah, Brindamore, you have enough injuries. He's probably still in shape enough to just lace him up on them. But no, boys, I'm gonna be a <laughs> probably pl- does. I'm going I'm to be a player coach and uh, just go out there to yeah. go for the best. Uh, what is he, what, 52 now or something like that? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, um, Jordan said he wanted to come back at 50, so, you know. Well, oh, no, wow, gosh, he's, oh, my gosh, man, he's my age. Woo. Rod. He's 50. He's 50, and he looks like he could lace him up right now and play. Well, how old was Gordy Howe? He played till he was 50, was... didn't he? Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he played so, was 50. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we had a couple guys played into their late 40s. Yeah, uh, when he came back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think um, – oh, I can't well, I can't think of his name. Um, Dino Cicerelli, he played till he was old. Um, there was a couple other guys that played until their 40s, you know. So, yeah, man, got to give it up to that guy. <laughs> yeah, Recky played into his 40s as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark Recky. Yeah, hey, Gordy Howe played 80 games when he was 51 years old. Yeah. <laughs> what year was that? What year was that? That was 1979, 1987. Yeah, man, that was back when they were. Uh, they were still weren't even wearing helmets then. No, yeah, they were. That's the most impressive thing. You would think a 51 year old could probably do that better in today's game than back then because you're not having that brutality of the game as it was back then with no pads like you have today either. Like, that's what was so remarkable about that in that day and age, that he played that many games at the freaking age of 51. (laughs) 26 total years in the NHL and then six years in the WHA. So, 32 total years in professional hockey. Oh, my gosh. Man. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, Gordy. Gordy Howe is different. Yeah. The, The game is... But, see... When they played without helmets, there was that unspoken rule where guys weren't head hunting, and you didn't see guys putting sticks up and high checking guys like you did back in the nineties and and the and the two, early two thousands where they were coming to take your head off. Well, you didn't see that back then because that was kind of the unspoken rule because guys didn't wear helmets. I mean, even goalies didn't even wear helmets until. What the late seventies? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh yeah. I would never be a goalie and not wear some kind of. Can I get a crash helmet or something? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, like a motorcycle helmet at least, so you can like duck your head to like headbutt it. Like it's like, oh, this is coming at my face. Let me try to headbutt this at least. <laughs> <laughs> but um, now I think for our last, but I completely agree with you on goalies. You had guys that just played without helmets. I mean, I remember 
uh, reading an article, it was a while back, but it was talking about, um, I'm trying to remember his name now, um, oh, uh, Plant, uh, Jacquez Plant, the one of the best goalies of all time, how he always mm-hmm. had his face ripped up because of, um, different, uh, injuries and stuff because he had to play through it and same with, like, guys like Bauer and especially Terry Solchuk, who... Look yeah. like a zombie at times because of <laughs> um, getting pucks ripped at him. So yeah, plan. I don't know how he dealt with all that, especially Saltchuk. I mean, he looked like a different uh. person by the end of his career. Um, but now we'll move on to our final s- match of the night, which is between our six and eleven seeds of Tony Amate, another guy who came later in his uh career to the Flyers and had twenty seven goals, forty one assists, and sixty eight points to Travis Sandheim, who of course is butting into a great defenseman for us still as we speak, has nineteen goals and fifty one assists during his short time here for a total of seventy points so far. So this is a uh, interesting matchup and I, I'll let I let this see where you guys go first. So uh Steele, where do you have in this? Ah, oh, man. I, this was during the Bobby Clark era. And people are going to hate me for saying this, but and, and I, I love Bobby Clark as a player, and he was one of the foundations of the Philadelphia Flyers, but he was not the best GM as far as I'm concerned. And this was one of those deals where he brought in Tony Amante thinking that he would be that one guy to get us over the hump and he, you know, bet the farm, traded off all the picks and prospects and everything to bring in Tony Amani. And now he at least did play 80 games for us the following year after we got him for the trade or whatever. But, yeah, I I, I got to take Sandheim all day, all day with my eyes closed and one leg. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would agree. I just... <laughs> I just uh... Amate was another guy that another example of a guy the Flyers sometimes bring on their team late in their careers via signing or trades. Obviously, Vinny yeah. Cavalier is a one of the more recent examples of that. Um, yeah, but at least Cavalier tried to play for us. You know, uh, uh, he he didn't he didn't do too well in uh, uh, Laviolette's system, and that was where the problem was. I, I loved Cavalier. I thought he had a great game. Um, he had some great offensive upside. He just wasn't used very well. No, that's a solid no, I, I agree with that. Because then when he went to the Kings, he ended up putting up pretty decent stats in his final yeah. stretch run to help them uh, in their run uh, in the postseason that year. Um, not going far that year, but he still helped them that year. But I'm assuming, Andrew, you're also going to go with Travis Sanheim here? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Even in his three young years here, I think his potential is uh, insane. I, I think he can be a really good, really good player as he continues to develop. Um, I think that if you look at numbers, they're pretty close with Tony's here in both kind of short years uh, with the franchise so far. Tony only had two throughout his career, entire career, and then obviously Travis has had three these past three seasons, but. Even with how close their stats are, I think Travis just gives the Flyers the extra edge and his ability in these last three. And then again, his full-on potential and what I think he can amount to is incredible. So I'm really looking forward to how he develops through his career. So I'm going to pick Travis here and be a little biased as well. 
<laughs> How many goals does Travis have for us? In in the because he hasn't played like a full full season, but he's been called up a couple of times. How many goals does he have for us? Total nineteen. Nineteen. So he even has more goals. Oh no, wait. No, I think Tony Amani has uh what? How many for us? Tony, Tony had twenty seven in two years. Twenty seven. Okay, so not but not that far off. Yeah. Okay. Well, he destroys Amonti though on the um, assist total by like over ten assists yeah. because he has. Yeah. Uh, well, not doesn't destroy him, but he has fifty something. Where Amonti has low forty, so he just he beats him by like ten on the forty one. Amonti has forty one. Okay, so he assists. beats him by exactly ten because fifty. Yeah. So there you go. Still though, I'll take that. If he's if he's doing assists, that means he's making plays. I'm I'm all for that. <laughs> yeah, if you're making plays, that's assist, man. I don't care if it's first assist or second assist. That means you're making plays. Yeah, and in AV system, he's starting to show his best uh, ability on the mm-hmm. other end of the puck as well. So having uh, AV and um, Yo and everybody come in and really help everybody, uh, Tarion, et cetera, et cetera, keeping Lappy was the smartest move too because he has a familiarity. Our whole coaching staff has just done a great job with all these guys as well. But, um, two, Stan- two Stanley Cups on the coaching staff between Tarion and Yo for the Penguins. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> they kind of knew how to do it. So I love what they've done with our team. I I have just been so blown away by what AV has come in and done. Because I watched that whole behind the behind the glass series that they did yeah that was a, that was amazing it was oh my gosh it was so awesome to be able to get to see what the coach is saying to the players and look let's face it when he came out and said be an effing flyer we have become that that's what we have become this year Hey, you can just tell all the players that bought into him too. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the stars on this team and Giroux, Forecheck, etc. They, I mean, they played with they they've been they were here for the coaching change, and you can see, like, just even in this short year, you can see how they're willing to go that extra step for this coach rather than the uh, the previous one and Dave. So I, I think again, just the, the players' effort, the way they've kind of come around this whole coaching staff as well, just carries it to extra level. Yeah, A.V. also, of course, um, he he got a big vote of confidence from the team with getting a five. A lot of guys don't get a five-year deal um, when you're just bringing them in, but he that was something I really liked them instilling that confidence in him from the jump start. And he's a guy that you can tell learned from his past experience, too, because when he was in his younger years, he's got accused of overplaying veterans that were kind of losing their pizzazz a little bit, so to speak to putting in the younger guys where now obviously you see that's not the case at all and he was starting to obviously see that lifting when he was coaching the Rangers as well that was more back with his Canucks days um so he adapts them very well over time which obviously is one of the best signs and traits of a great coach being able to adapt and learn and move to the quirks and traits of the league as it adjusts over time if you look at the history of AV Every year he goes to a team to be their coach for the first year, that team makes it to the playoffs. Or they have the the most significant improvement in that first year. And it's because of the system that he's doing or the message that he's sending out. That That's just hard to see in any coach. 
I mean, that's like Scotty Bowman kind of, you know. That guy could just coach the worst team, and the next year they would be winning the Stanley Cup. You know what I mean? Torch can't, yeah, Torch can't coach him to the Stanley Cup, but Tortorella is also pretty damn impressive with how the hell he got that Columbus team to where they got. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but... And then I know Jamie's a big Tortorella guy, so I figure he'll probably listen and enjoy that. Oh, is he? Yeah, I, I, th- I, didn't, I think I didn't know he was. I think he Pearl, is because he talked Pearl about how much he was a big Tortorella guy too. Yeah, he talked about how much he thought he could have won. He he's up there for the Jack Adams in our one podcast, so I figured he might be big on him. But as we're um, wrapping up the bracket, I don't know if uh, Steele or Andrew, you guys had any. Um, closing points and uh we of course want to say to steel it was a pleasure of having you on the podcast and you're welcome to come on any other time you want especially uh for these fun bracket shows because it was really fun doing this with three people uh adding an extra dimension to it i can't tell you how honored i am to be here i i can't tell you how um great it is to to do this this was really fun um it, it took a little bit of time for us to get this all put together but um it was worth the wait and uh, you can reach me uh, at Steel Flyers on Twitter. And stay tuned for uh, SteelFlyers.com coming soon. And stay tuned for podcasts coming soon. And then Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. Th- thanks for joining us today, Steel. It, it was a pleasure having you on. And I thought this was an awesome, uh, awesome episode getting this done. And uh, like Joe said, any t- other time you want to come back on, just give us a, a heads up and we'll find a way to make it work. Because, again, it was, it was great. Um, Thank you very much. No problem. I agree. And then, okay. Okay. Uh, no, you got it. You're finishing. Your- I was going to say, and then you can find me at AJ underscore Santangelo. Uh, I write for Pub Sports Radio and do a baseball show Tuesday nights at 6 Eastern, 5 Central. Uh, and then, as Joe mentioned earlier, we, had a, we have another one with Chase and the Pennant podcast, which is also a lot of fun diving into a bunch of different Philly stuff. And then I do one with my brothers as well, uh, which is at Philly Sports Now. Yeah, and then for me, I'm at JJBorick26 on Twitter. Our podcast is true underscore Philly Sport. And we're also on Instagram now with the same title. Um, and we're going to be putting some shorter videos up there every so often just to have an extra leg of something as well. So check that out. And I'm in the process of creating a WordPress for us as well. That will probably be out in a couple weeks because I don't want it to look stupid. I want it to actually look pretty decent when it comes out and not just like a thrown together um, website. So that'll probably be a couple weeks out still. But I'm going to create a Facebook page soon. And also, just like with Andrew, I also write for the pub sports radio a lot of times on hockey stuff i've sent in some nfl stuff so that's mainly been my two thing right now um so that's really fun and then chasing the pennant as he said and then flyers nitty gritty with jamie Bascal and uh steel knows him and he's a great guy uh check out yeah, man. our stuff there uh all day every day i mean the hey you guys stuff. stuff is good stuff man I, I like reading your articles you guys put out some really good stuff you're you're a podcaster uh you know i'm not a major league baseball fan by any stretch of the word or a, ba- a basketball fan but um it was really great listening to you guys you had some really great information and uh was was able to push out some of that really good stuff that a lot of people are, are interested to listen to. Appreciate that.
second that yeah we definitely appreciate that and um to wrap this one up we want to say it looks like stuff's trending in the right direction the nhl of course as i said in the last podcast moved from six to twelve with the training camps uh the thing that looks the most shaky right now is the nba with orlando but adam silver gave a vote of confidence the other day for nba fans so sports seem to be moving in the right direction for us here and i just want to wish everybody stay safe stay well and then stay positive and also stay healthy and still be smart out there because even though it's been a while and and we're able to open some stuff, that doesn't mean the virus is gone. So still be vigilant out there and do what you got to do. And stay safe and well, everybody. Peace out. This has been True Philadelphian Sportscast, the grittiest take. For Steel Flyers, for Andrew, I'm Joe Borick. Have a wonderful day, everybody.